appreciate you. Can we give a hand for the visionary leader, Dr. Mason, Pastor Irvin, thank you. Y'all can do better than that. Y'all can do better than that. Praise God. Praise God for this family. Love you, Doc. Well, well I know how y'all do. We do the same thing in Raleigh. Uh, if you can get Ruth chapter 1, uh, we're going to read one verse, Ruth chapter 1, verse 6. So if you can grab that, stand with me. Uh, we're going to read that one verse out loud together. Then we're going to walk through it. I, I want to speak from the idea of renewed expectations. Uh, renewed expectations. So we want to see what God has for us in the word. Ruth uh, chapter 1. Uh, we're just going to read verse 6 out loud together. Hear now the word of the Lord. Then she arose with her daughters-in-law to return from the country of Moab. For she had heard in the fields of Moab that the Lord had visited his people and given them food. Let's pray. Father, we love you. God, you alone are worthy. Uh, you alone are king. You alone are master. You are provider. You are better to us than we deserve. And we say thank you. Uh, thank you, Jesus, for the goodness of your gospel. Thank you for the truth of your word. Thank you that you renew our expectations. Now, Father, I ask that you would set me aside, God, that you, you would uh, move me out the way. I would decrease, Father. You would increase, that I would preach under the anointing and power of the Holy Ghost, God. Move me out the way, Lord. Speak a word, a relevant word, a prophetic word to your people right now. Transform hearts, restore, revive, renew by the gospel of Jesus. Set me aside, God. And I pray, as always, Lord, that, that, that as you use me, uh, your people would not be blown away by the sermon, but blown away by the Savior. In Christ's name, amen. 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 You may be seated. Again, grateful to be before you. Uh, question this afternoon. Uh, what, what if I was to say uh, that I know exactly what God is doing in your life right now? Uh, what if I was to say that without knowing you, uh, I know what God is doing in your life right now? And, and the way I would respond to that is uh, God is doing exactly what you expect him to. Uh, now, now, before you get scared, uh, I, I'm not talking about positive confession. I'm not talking about us speaking things into existence. I'm not saying that in any way we can, we can force God to do anything. But, but what I am talking about based on Matthew 9.29, it's in the context of healing. It says this, uh, according to your faith, it shall be done to you. That, that God's people should always have a vibrant relationship with him, growing faith, and we should always approach each day with a spirit of expectancy, knowing that God is going to use us, that knowing that God is doing something in and through us behind the scenes. Yes. We, we should live with a spirit of expectation, but, but, but so many believers suffer from a disease that I call uh, decreased expectation. And the way we get this is that we, we, we come to know the Lord, and, and, and for most of us, I would hope there's a, there's a zeal, but that zeal shouldn't die out, and then something happens to us, and what happens to us is called life. Say life. Life, life happens to us, and, and we're, we're walking with the Lord, but the, the couple that invited you to the church that you go to, they're gone. Uh, ten years into your marriage, the spouse decides that they said I do, but they no longer do now. 
Uh, the child that you prayed for and you believe God for is now calling you collect from the prison. Things happen to us and over time, disappointment after disappointment after disappointment after letdown begins to cause us to suffer from decreased expectation. And so we stop looking at God the same. In fact, based on our experiences, we begin to reduce God to a man. But the Bible gives us this hope. The, the, the truth of this word gives us this, this promise that, that God not only renews our lives, he not only saves us and sends us out, but he renews our expectations. I like the way Philip Yancey says it. He says that, that as believers on, on this side of heaven, because I want you to know this, that, that pain does have an expiration date. Uh, disease does have an expiration date. But, but, but until, until he comes back to get us, we have to live with what Philip Yancey calls ambidextrous faith. And he says, on one side, with our right hand, we hold the promises of God, but with the left hand, we have to hold the difficulties of life. On this side of heaven, we got to have some ambidextrous faith. We have to juggle both, knowing that God is at work. I wish somebody was with me this morning. But things happen, and our expectations of God begin to decrease. But, but we see a promise here that, that, that even when that happens, God in his love, renews our expectations. A quote says, the line of demarcation that separates faith from being superficial to being substantive is our expectation. Ruth chapter one, verse six says this, then she arose with her daughters-in-law to return from the country of Moab for she had heard in the fields of Moab that the Lord had visited his people and given them food. Uh, contrary to popular belief, uh, uh, the book of Ruth is not a how to get a man manual. Uh, that, 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 that's not the, that's not the, the, the point of, of Ruth. The point of Ruth is not I woke up like this. That's, that's not uh, the, the point of, of Ruth here. Uh, the, what Ruth reveals is not how to get a man, but it reveals the lineage of the God man. It reveals the lineage of our great God and our great Savior. And so uh, what happens is the book of Judges, uh, the book of Judges kind of sums up the, the condition, the spiritual climate of the world at that time. In Judges 17, verse 6, it says, uh, in those days there was no king and, and the people did what was right in their own eyes. The way we say that now is just do you. Uh, we want to do what is right in our own eyes. And so uh, God, through Moses, began to appoint uh, judges. And the, the first judge had a, a nice sanitized testimony. His name was with Othniel. Uh, but the last judge, uh, he was Thugs Ministries. His name was Samson. And, and so God, God began to do something there. And, and so uh, a famine had hit the land. And this guy named Elimelech, who need, who, whose, whose name means God is my king, decides to take his wife, uh, Naomi to Moab. Now, based on Deuteronomy chapter 23, verse 3 and 6, Moab was a forbidden place at the time. And so he decides to go to a place that God does not want him to go, and then Elimelech dies. And they stay there 10 more years, and then Malin and Killian, they die also. And so what we're seeing here in verse 6 is what I call a divine U-turn. That, that God has entered into her place of hurt. He enters into our place of hurt, and we see her suffering from decreased expectation. But I'm glad there's several more chapters. It doesn't end that way. It ends with the hope and the truth of the gospel. So let's walk through this. Ruth 1, verse 7, it says this. 
So she set out from the place where she was with her two daughters-in-law, and they went on the way to return in the land of Judah. But Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, go return each of you to her mother's house. May the Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with me and uh, I'm sorry, with the dead and with me. The Lord grant that you may find rest each of you in the house of her husband. Then she kissed them and they lifted up their voices and wept. And they said to her, no, we will return with you to your people. But Naomi said, no, nah, turn back. My daughters, why will you go with me? Have I yet sons in my womb that they may become your husbands? Turn back, my daughters, go your way, for I am too old to have a husband. If I should say I have hope, even if I should have a husband this night and they should bear sons, would you therefore wait till they were grown? Would you therefore refrain from marrying? No, my daughters, he tried to send them again, for it is exceedingly bitter to me for your sake that the land of the Lord, the hand of the Lord has gone against me. Then they lifted up their voices and wept and Orpah kissed her mother-in-law and said, deuces. That's the USV urban standard version. But, but Ruth clung, say clung clung to her and she said, see, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods return after your sister-in-law. The first symptom of decreased expectation is assuming God's will without consulting God. The first symptom is assuming God's will without consulting God. What we see through verses 7, and, uh, 7 8, and 9 is that, that Naomi assumes that she's going to go back to Bethlehem, the house of bread, by herself. She, she did not pray. It does not record her praying about anyone going with her. She, she's assuming because she's lost her husband. She's lost her two sons, and, and she's in this rough place. She assumes that she's going back alone. Is that not what happens when uh, difficult things happen and happen to our lives, when we begin to lose people and relationships fail or people betray us or thing, friendships that we thought were going to last a lifetime, we find out that they have a season. When we have enough disappointment, we begin to assume the worst. Yeah, yeah. And so she assumes, I'm, I'm going back to Bethlehem by myself. She, she begins to lower her expectations. She, she's already believing that she's lonely. But here's the, the comfort for believers of Christ. Loneliness may be a feeling, but it is never a reality. If you are in Christ, loneliness may be something that you feel, but it is not a reality because God, through the Spirit, he gave up the ghost, and now his Spirit dwells within us, reminding us of his goodness. God is at work behind the scenes here, but that first symptom is assuming God's will without consulting God. Have you, you, you ever been in a place to where you, you, you may not physically do this, but you, you, you proverbially, you, you look up and you say, what next? Who else is going to walk away? What else is going to go wrong? What else is going to happen? Decreased expectation. The second symptom of decreased expectation is believing I'm beyond the loving reach of God. Believing I'm beyond the loving reach of God. In verses 10 and 11, she asks a rhetorical question. Why, why will you go with me? 
Remember, she's already assumed God's will, but she begins to ask, why, why do you want to go with me? Why, why are you going to go with me? And, and sometimes when we experience difficult things and we experience losses, now, now, now make no mistake about it, uh, they brought this on themselves in terms of going to the place God told them not to go, but, but God is still gracious to lovingly draw us back. You know what I love about the Lord? Everything that he allows to happen in your life is not him getting you back, it's him drawing you back. He's moving, he's working in our lives, but, but we, she thinks she's out of the loving reach of God. We know that's not to be true. Isaiah tells us no one is too far from the reach, the hand of God. But when we experience loss, we experience difficulty, we experience disappointment, we begin to wonder and question the love of God. Wow. Oh, somebody's going to be real with me this morning. Come on now. Because Christians aren't exempt from pain. We're not exempt from hurt. Sadly, we're not exempt from divorce. We're not exempt from miscarriages. And when we experience loss, think think about this, y'all. Her husband, both of her sons, she feels, I have no one. But God says, "Uh uh-uh, boo. I'm still here. I'm still here. I I have not left you. But but disappointment changes your attitude, doesn't it? Anybody going to be real with me this morning? You you, you know, you you, you go through enough and then you you know what you begin. you, You know how you begin to look at people? You begin to look at people as everyone's using you. And so you you walk around with a posture of what you need. I was somebody. What you need? Now, you, you got the spiritual face, so I'm blessed and highly favored, but, but when you take the mask off, what you need? What you need? And so, so she assumes that they only want to go back with her if she's able to produce a husband. Read the text. She, she, she assumes that they only want to go back with her based on what she can do for them. Now, the reality is that's how she approached God. The reality is she, she approached God that way, but when we experience disappointment that sometimes we bring on ourselves, other times it's just regular tribulation, we, we begin to reduce God to a man, but God is still at work. The third symptom of decreased expectation is believing that God is against you. I'm in the book, verse 13, the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. You have experienced so much stuff back to back to back, you start thinking that God is out to get you. I know nobody in here ever felt that way. But Pastor Gay is like, what's up? I thought you made us on good terms, right? You did it. But we can go through these things and, and ask these questions. But, but here, here, here's what we must not forget. Uh, uh, in verses 1 through 5, it, it says that, 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 that Elimelech, who named God is my king, leaves Bethlehem, the house of bread. He, he goes to Moab. The Bible says he dies. Uh, but, but then it says that, that, that Malin and Killian and, and, and their wives and, and Naomi, they stayed there 10 more years. Okay, you're not with me. They already are in their place of disobedience. They decide to stay in their place of disobedience 10 more years. Oh, here's the point. Pain is inevitable, but misery is a choice. She decided to stay there 10 more years. 
She decided to stay there a decade, but God's grace is, this is what I love about grace, grace strives with you even in your place of disobedience. God lets her know in verse 6, you can come on back to the house of bread. That's how good our God is. He meets us. See, you can make a U-turn. You can make a U-turn. Can, can I give you some street signs of faith right quick when you disobey God? When, when, when we, when, even when we're walking in disobedience, the, 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 first, the first sign that we get is do not enter. Do not enter is a commandment. Ain't nothing to pray about. He ain't saved, boo. Nothing to pray about. You ain't got to pray. You ain't got, uh, it's, it's, it's do not enter. It's, it's a command. It's a command. The, the, the second sign, the second sign we see, the second sign we see on our road to disobedience is wrong way. Wrong way, God begins to put some pressure in your life because he's trying to get you to turn around. And so things start blowing up in your face because he's saying you're going the wrong way. But even though we keep going past the dead end, past, I'm sorry, past the wrong way, past, past, past this, we get to the third spot, which is the dead end. You stop producing fruit. There's no fruit produced there. But, but even though we see these signs, you know what sign you don't see because of God's grace? You don't see a no U-turn sign. Because God will still let you make a U-turn to turn back to him. Verse 6 is her U-turn. Verse 6 is God moving even though she decided to stay there 10 more years. God ministers to her that she finds out that Bethlehem, the famine has lifted and you can come on home. That's the goodness of our God. The fourth symptom of decreased expectation is allowing predictions to replace faith. Now, now watch this. Oprah said, all right then, I'll holler. Oprah said, so Naomi was right about Orpah, but she was wrong about Ruth. She was right about Orpah, but she was wrong about Ruth. See, when we experience difficulty, right, we begin to expect the worst, and then we, we, we put that on people and expect the worst from them. And so her correct prediction about, about Orpah, that's how, that was the lens. She is seeing life through the lens of her hurt. She's not seeing life through the lens of hope. She's seeing life through the lens of her hurt. But the Bible says something interesting. It says that Ruth clung to her. It's the Hebrew word devak. It takes us back to Genesis chapter 2, verse 24, the idea of marriage, this idea that she, he, God is using Ruth to communicate his love for his children. And so the same way that Paul says in Ephesians 5 that your relationship with Christ actually points to the marriage union, we get glimpses of that here. Ruth Devox, she clings to her, showing how God is committed to his wayward bride. God loves us. God is at work. We have to ask ourselves, do I want to be right about that person or do I want to be used by God? What do I want? See, here's what God is showing her. Here's what God is speaking to us. God doesn't just want to meet your needs. He wants to be your need. He wants to be our greatest need. And we have to understand that when we are in a low place, God knows how to come into that low place and to let you know that the famine is lifted. When we... uh, we started our church and we were in need of a building. We met in a, a theater 
And uh, a bishop had purchased the theater and he totally renovated it. And so there were six churches that met in there at the same time. So it was literally a church buffet. You could get mad at us, walk straight across and go to another church. Several services were going on at the same time. This is a couple years ago. I, I got before the church and, and, and it started to be some friction with the, the management and, 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 and how we did things. And, and so I started praying and I said, God, I said family, I, I want to believe the Lord that the first Sunday in August that, that, that we're going to be in a new building. And so January, I'm saying this, I'm saying this a year in advance. I'm saying next year, here's what I want to believe God. And so January rolls by nothing. February rolls by nothing. March, April, May, and May, my secretary gets an email from a guy. And he says, uh, we, we got this church building. And we're down to like, you know, eight people. And uh, we, we heard about what you guys are doing. And we're, we're just wondering if you would uh, want this building. I said, give me his number so I can call him. And so, so I, I call and I begin, begin to uh, kind of cast vision and they come hear, our pre, uh, hear us preach. And, and this was a, a predominantly white congregation. Youngest member was 60 with the exception of the guy who initiated the deal. And, 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 and they, become, they begin to hear me preaching and eight people had to vote on if we could get the building or not. Maybe I'm the only one that was perturbed by that. I guess y'all. They had to vote. Now, now we're in June. And the vote didn't go through the first time. Stay with me. I'm going to connect this. So the the vote didn't go through. And so the young guy who initiated all this, he begins to go. He says, man, you guys need this building. I said, yeah. Yeah. So he prays and he and I pray together. And then they the vote goes through. And at a low time in our ministry where there was there was friction, I wasn't sure where we were going to be. We were, we were experiencing a lot of friction. God gave us a building free and clear, a fellowship hall, and a van. Come on, Come on. Come on. I thought y'all knew how to shout. I said God gave us a building paid for free and clear. A fellowship hall paid for free and clear. A van paid for free and clear. Not because we deserved anything but because of his grace. And God lets me know that the famine was lifted. And so as we, we're there, we, we, we want to have our first service. We have our first service that first Sunday in August like I, we were believing the Lord for. When we got it, though, we needed, we needed some chairs. We took out the pews. We needed some chairs. The church said, look, we're getting some new chairs. We're going to give you 200 chairs. Last story, because I just want to share how good he is. We get the building, and the building needs renovation. And so I'm literally typing up the letter, the vision letter for the congregants for a capital campaign to raise money to renovate the building. Because it was old school, yellow paint. It had that 70s show kind of wood grain wall in the church, the American flag. They were talking about you could see Jesus if you turn like this in the door. I said, okay, I'm going to take that door down first. And so I said, so we're not, we not going to do this. Uh, up in the house of God. So, so, so I'm, I'm working on a letter for us to get to renovate. As I'm typing a letter, I get a text on my cell phone from one of our partners that say, uh, hey, Jerome, uh, could you guys use six grand? Well. You don't text a black man that. I called you. <laughs> yeah, we could use six grand. In fact, I'm sitting here typing up a capital campaign letter 
He says, you know what, man, I'm, I'm pretty sure I can get this approved. I think we're going to go ahead and add another 5,000. So it's, 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 it's 11,000. So, y'all ain't shouting here. So, we get off the phone. Get off the phone. I call Pastor Irvin. He's one of our elders. I call him. I say, Doc, let me tell you how good he is. You ever had that little spinoff? Let me tell you how good he is. As I'm talking to him, the guy calls me back and says, man, I called another church and they had 10 grand laying around. I didn't print anything yet. I didn't print anything yet, but we got $21,000 before the letter was finished. Because God can do exceedingly and abundantly above all you ask or think when you don't allow difficulty to decrease your expectation. See, see, connect that to Naomi, Pastor. God, God uses difficulty to prune us then he does something far beyond we could ask or think. God allows us, even when we put ourselves in the places of disobedience, he will flip that thing for his glory to use us. But he wants us to obey. He wants us to obey. See, I I, I bring that up because when we experience this decreased expectation, uh, everything about us changes. Our attitudes and and our prayers and, and, and our theology becomes a prison. And so now, uh, uh, now, of course, we want to pray for God's will, but, but, but sometimes we say, if God's will, as a disclaimer, because we expect to be disappointed. Yes. It's not because we're believing anymore, but we say, if you will, because we are tired of disappointments. Yes. And so we don't expect the Lord to come through. We don't expect God to be God. God will always do way more than what you think. Watch this. Even with your pain. Even with your pain, he wants us to pray fervent prayers, believing God to be God. Verse 16, but Ruth said, uh, do not urge me to leave you or to return from following you for where you go, I will go. And where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And there will I be buried. May the Lord do so to me and more also, if anything but death parts me from you. And when Naomi saw that she was determined to go with her, she said no more. The fifth symptom of decreased expectation is a disregard for the lost. Notice when Orpah decided to go back to Moab and her gods, she encouraged Ruth to go. Did you catch that? She encouraged Ruth to go to the little G-O-D-S. Because when we are in the midst of our pain and we focus more on what's happening around us instead of what God is doing in us, we begin to lose compassion for those around us. That's good. That's good. Come on now. Good teaching. She encouraged her. Why don't you go back with Oprah? You ever been in a place like that? You ever been in a place where, 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 where you might not say it out loud, you don't want nobody to text you a scripture? You ain't trying to read no devotion? 
Matter of fact, you're, you're like Jonah. Jonah went to Tarshish. That was, that was a place where, according to Isaiah, said his fame had not been spread yet. He, he wanted to go to a place where he wouldn't run into any more believers for accountability. You ever been there? You ever been there? A disregard for the loss. Her hurt is causing her to display a blatant disregard for her soul. But that's what hurt will do to us when we think that the present hurt we're feeling is all that there is. Your pain has an expiration date. Disease has an expiration date. In Christ, one day he will permanently wipe away every tear, but in the here and now, he can interpret those tears. That's how good he is. Last little section here, verse 19. So the two of them went on until they came to Bethlehem, the house of bread. And when they came to Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them. And a woman said, is this Naomi? She said to them, do not call me Naomi, call me Mara. For the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. Look at who she's blaming. I went away full and the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi when the Lord has testified against me and the Almighty has brought calamity upon me? So Naomi returned and Ruth the Moabite, her daughter-in-law with her, who returned from the country of Moab. And they came to Bethlehem at the beginning of the barley harvest, right on time. The sixth and the final symptom of decreased expectation is bitterness. Naomi, her name means pleasant. Her name means pleasant. I, I would assume the text doesn't say that, that before all this happened, I, I would assume her attitude reflected that. Because that's how it is when, when God is doing what we want him to do. Uh, when, when God is coming through and the prayers are being answered and, and, and things are, are popping off. And, and it's nothing, obviously there's nothing wrong with God's blessing, but, but God, the same God that gives the promotion is the same God who's sovereign during the demotion. And so now that, that God, God, God is, is, is doing something, he, he's actually working on her behalf, but she doesn't even see it. She's bitter. She says, no, call me Mara. I'm going to identify myself by my pain. I'm made in the image of God. In him, I'm victorious. In him, I'm the head and not the tail. Through him, I'm more than a conqueror. Through him, who strengthens me. But so much pain has happened. Call me bitter. Call me reject. Call me confused. Call me upset. No, you're a daughter of the living God. You're a son of the living God. But she says, no. Call me Mara. Now, now, here's what's interesting about Mara. Mara takes us back to Exodus 15. Uh, Exodus 15 comes on the, the heels of the Red Sea experience. Where God had, had taken the people through the Red Sea. God had, had parted the Red Sea and, and taken his people faith, uh, faithfully uh, through that. And, and, and after that, the, the Bible begins in Exodus 15, beginning at verse 2, it says, they, they say, they say it correctly, they say, the Lord, you are my salvation. 
And there's a, there's a praise break in the text where the, the, the whole Israelite camp is, is praising God down in verse 20. Miriam pulls out a tambourine and begins to lead the women in a procession of worship and praise because that's the correct response to salvation. Uh, but right after that, they, they come to this lake where the water is bitter and the name of that lake is called Mara. And so she's calling herself. Now, here's what's interesting. She's missing all the beauty of the Exodus experience because she's identified herself by her pain. She's missing the beauty of God allowing 10 plagues to happen targeted at each false God during that day. She's missing the fact that God is behind this opening up doors because God has this unilateral covenant to where I'm going to be faithful even when you're faithless. I'm going to be consistent even when you're inconsistent. And so she identifies herself by her pain. But it's something interesting happened there. The Lord told Moses, he said, Moses, I want you to take a log and I want you to throw it in Mara. And when he took the log and he threw it in Mara, the bitter water became sweet. The, the bitter water became sweet. And so 2,000 years later, there would be a man on a log like this and he would enter in the place of bitterness and he would make the bitter areas sweet. I like the way the Psalms says it in Psalm 30, verse 11. He said it this way. You turn my mourning into dancing. God can turn your divorce into dancing. God can turn that miscarriage into dancing. God will enter the place of bitterness. And even though you felt what you felt, he can make it sweet again. That's what he does. He can enter in the place of bitterness. Remember she wasn't supposed to be there in the first place. In her place of disobedience, in Moab, she heard about Bethlehem. God meets you while you rolling it up. God meets you while you laying there feeling guilty than a mother. God meets you in your place and lets you know you can come on back home. You can come on back home. So what do we do? Real simple. When we're going through, we remember his faithfulness. Not deep. But when you begin to take your mind off of what's happening around you and realize that God is doing something in you, God will turn your morning into dancing. What you're going through is temporary. See, your future residence transforms your present reality. The future residence of glory can transform. Now, how did God turn her mourning into dancing? God meets her. God comes through Boaz, who is the Gael, the kinsman redeemer, pointing us to Christ. They have a baby and in chapter four, Ruth, who was bitter, I'm sorry, Naomi, who was bitter, Naomi, who thought that the Lord was against her, Naomi, who said, I left full, but God brought me back empty. Naomi is holding little Obed in her lap. And Obed is the father of Jesse. And Jesse is the father of David. And from David, we get to Jesus. The one, the one 
who will be hung on two logs to make the bitterness of humanity sweet. I'm going to get out your way, but I hope you're grateful that God enters in your place of bitterness. He enters into your place of disobedience. He enters into our self-inflicted areas of pain, and he can make them sweet. But some of us are dealing with this hard right now. Some of us in this season, I want to pray with you. Just bow your heads where you are right now. Let me pray.